Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. I'm Joe Riccardi, one of the pastors here at Park Community Church, serving as part of our Lincoln Park pastoral team. And throughout this season, we wanted to create something that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we've altered our use of this podcast, and instead we'll be posting a short devotional every day. We hope you'll join us, and we hope you'll enjoy listening. So this is the Pastor's Cut, and I'm Joe Riccardi. I do hope you're faring well in this season. Today I'll be sharing from Psalm, one, from Psalm 90, one of my favorites, though I have many. But this is such a fitting one for such a time as this. It's true, isn't it, that generally speaking, we live as though time is on our side. We are constantly making plans with a when at the beginning. When we get out of school, when we get married, when we retire, when we make more money, we put off the morbid thoughts of death, even though in the back of our minds, we know it looms all over us. And the days we are living in right now bring that to the forefront, right? In reality, we're all running out of time. And we can so often live with a false sense of optimism that we're not. So today I want to look at three things from our text. The timelessness of God versus the limited time of humanity. We want to look at the philosophical question that addresses the why. Why is humanity's time limited? And then lastly, where is the hope and what are we to do? So quickly, and I want to do this all quickly. So let me pray first. And, I, and then we'll dig right in. So Lord, do bless our time together, I pray, even through the use of this podcast, whether one be listening or a hundred, pray it might be a blessing. God, use it more than I ever could hope or imagine in Christ's name. So the backdrop to today's Psalm, Psalm 90, written by Moses, the only Psalm in the Psalter written by him. The backdrop is the period in Israel's history when they had just broken camp in Mount Sinai, where God had given them the Ten Commandments and they have arrived at the southern border of the promised land. And God gives direction to send spies into the promised land to check it out and plan to enter it. And so they send spies to check things out. When they come back after 40 days as spies, they report to Moses that the land is legit. It's flowing with milk and honey, fruit like we've never seen. But the enemies are too great for them. They would be destroyed. We can't go in. No way. Only Caleb comes back with a positive report saying, with God's help, we can do this. The people complain and grumble and weep against Moses and Aaron. They say, this is stupid. Why would we go into this land only to get destroyed? Let's get a new leader, they cry for. At which point the Lord is done. He is done with them. How could they, in light of all that they have seen the Lord do, Respond to him like this. Are you kidding me? He wants to destroy them all right there. But for the intercession of Moses to spare them for the sake of the glory of God's name. After all, Moses says to God, you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Pardon the sin of your people according to your steadfast love, Moses pleads. And the Lord responds to Moses and says, none of these folks who have seen my glory, will get to see the promised land. But for Caleb and Joshua and the children, they will get to see it. The adults will all die in Egypt during the 40 years of wandering with no place to dwell. That's the backdrop. 
So first, here we see the timelessness of God versus the limited time of man. Verses 2 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. Excuse me. What a stark contrast that is presented to us between the existence of God and the existence of us. One timeless, one with limited time. Did you see that? Verse 2, God is eternal. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever formed, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This God is the everlasting God, no beginning or no end. And then look at us, verses 3 through 6. God is reminding us of the fleeting nature of our lives through the images he is giving to us, swept away like a flood as quick as a dream, morning to evening. He gives us these images to remind us, to help us realize that the fragility and brevity of our lives, life is but a vapor in God's eyes. Life is really short. Man was created from dust and to dust he shall return. This is what the psalmist wants us to ponder and feel, not to ignore not calling us to be fatalists, but realists, right? He doesn't picture us walking around with our heads down all day at work saying, I'm going to die. Death is looming. Not that, but we can't ignore the reality of death, especially in a season like this. We can't pretend. We can't numb ourselves. Just turn on the TV. We need to come to grips with it. We're all running out of time. Francis Chan, a popular author and speaker, once said, As difficult as it is, we need to be mindful of death. We must make decisions with our day of death in mind. Please, please, please consider spending just 10 minutes in solitude today, meditating about your own funeral. Imagine standing before a God who dwells in unapproachable light. Secondly, we need to answer why. Why, verses 3 through 6, answer a very existential question. Why is man's time limited? And then he says, the psalmist says in verses 7 through 11. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 70, 80. Yet their pan is but to- span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we will fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Moses wants to be clear that the ultimate cause of our death is not bad circumstances. Old age, bad luck, but it's God's holy anger against sin. Ultimately, all death has its root, has sin as its root. That's why... The Apostle Paul writes in the New Testament book of Romans, the wages or payment for sin is death. That there may be many, many means by which death death is employed to terminate man's life, but ultimately it is tied to God's wrath against sin. Verse 7, we are brought to to an end by your anger. Verse 8, there is no secret sins before God. He sees everything. Verse 9, all our days pass away underneath your wrath. Moses is not saying that 
that the God we live under is malicious and we live under his evil hand, but he is thinking back to what God did in Genesis chapter 3 in his punishment against sin. When sin entered the world, which we read about in Genesis 3, it brought condemnation and judgment and ultimately death, which scripture calls the curse of sin. Old age, dying, cancer, coronavirus wasn't a part of God's original plan. Sin changed everything. We know as Christians, we no longer live under this. This is not true for us. All our days are under grace, thanks be to God. But death awaits us all. The length of our years is 70, perhaps 80. Look at the obituary. This will be the average, some 90, some 50. I'm 50 years old, right? A lot of my life has been lived. And not only are are our years limited because of sin, but the psalmist says their span is but toil and trouble, right? We're not trying to be gloomy here, friends, but trying to be faithful to God's word. The call here is not to fear death. That is not what the psalmist is calling us to. He is calling us to come to grips with it, right? The gospel reminds us that death has lost its sting. Jesus died on the cross for us so that he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery, right? Hebrews chapter two, let me be clear again, no fear in death. Just a sober awareness of how time how time is limited that, that we have here on earth because of sin. So where's the hope? Don't stop the podcast now. I'm almost done. A few more minutes. Verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. In my study, it took considerable time to see why this verse in the psalm, it seems so out of place, but finally I made the connection. The psalmist wants to remind us from the onset Um, I just made a point three in this talk, which is um, rehashed from a sermon I gave about three years ago, that the Lord himself is a dwelling place for God's people. Moses is clear on the reality of death and the reality of sin, but there must be another reality that will keep us, that will sustain us. And that's verse one, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. In all the wanderings of the Israelites with no place, um, to call home, Moses acknowledged himself that God himself has been their place of dwelling for all generations. He is himself their refuge. Moses says the same thing in the book that follows Numbers in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 37, verse 27. The eternal God is your dwelling place and the, underneath him are the everlasting arms. For all generations, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, for the Israelites and for us today, the Lord doesn't change. The Lord, this is who you are to me. It is not, is this not the longing of the human soul to find a place of confidence, a shelter from the storms of life? Come on now. Protected from the dangers we face, the warmth of a home. Where shall the soul go? We will go somewhere for every one of us. Relationship, fame, money, job, alcohol. Be my dwelling place. They make promises they can never deliver. And if you go to any one of those places, there are a thousand others, right? But the Lord, but the Lord, if you go to any one of them, but the Lord, you are setting yourself up for incredible disappointment, not to mention ultimate failure. There is only one place that God directs us to look to, and that's to himself. That's why he is God. And Moses reminds himself of why there could be no better dwelling place than God himself. God is the everlasting one. He doesn't change. 
He offers himself to you this morning as your dwelling place or this afternoon or this evening as a refuge in your time of shelter from the storm, any storm, coronavirus, cancer, anything you might be facing, loneliness. Jesus says, come to me. And so we live equally in this reality. Amen. We don't deny our mortality. We know its ultimate cause is our sin, but we flee to God, our dwelling place. And he gives a picture of what this looks like when we dwell in God. And, and here, I'm just going to highlight a couple of these. Uh, this is what it looks like. Uh, a couple I'm going to highlight. Verse 12. Sat, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is our prayer during the time of the coronavirus, but quite frankly, during any time of our lives, right? Teach us to number our days, God. May we all be reminded. This applies to the 21-year-old. This message applies to the 81-year-old. I'll never forget a professor of mine, Dr. Bill Thrasher, back in 1999, shared how when he read this verse in particular, he made it as practical as you can get it. He looked at his life, and I don't know how old he was when he started this. Maybe he was 35, and he counted the days until he was 70 and 80 and tabulated them and put them a daily calendar, made a daily calendar and put it on the mirror in his bathroom. And every day he would remove a day to make him ever so mindful of each passing day. And he told me when I reached out to him three years ago, he's still doing it. He wants a visible reminder, not saying we need to do that. But how might you be putting this first on an index card or in our prayer journals Reminding us, God, teach us to number every day, right? Help us to be mindful, God. Keep me humble, mindful of my mortality. Secondly, verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Here is another prayer to put in your prayer journal every morning. God, do this in my life, God, as as you get up out of bed. God, satisfy me this morning. Psalm 90, verse 14, as it begin, remind me of your steadfast love this day, O God, in Christ. It's his covenantal love he's speaking to when he refers to his steadfast love, a love that will never leave you and never uh, never end. It endures forever, right? Read Psalm 136. It's repeated over and over again. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. The steadfast love of the Lord is better than life, a love that has been sealed in your heart. This is not a fairy tale, keep your fingers crossed kind of love. It's a love purchased by the blood of his son. More than you can be satisfied by a spouse's love or anything else this day. May our love be anchored, may his love be anchored in our souls because we don't know what today may bring for each and every one of us, but I want to rejoice and be glad all my days so that I may dwell in Christ. Oh God, I look to your love to satisfy me this day, every day, and he will answer that prayer gladly. And then lastly, what this looks like, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Psalm verse 17, this is how it ends. And establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands implication, God has a work for us to do. Our work is to make him known even during a statewide lockdown. There is a work to do. The gospel cannot be quarantined. So we share our faith. We serve those in need. We give generously. We want to walk in the good works God has prepared for us. No retirement for us as Christians. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Well, that's all I got. May God, by his Holy Spirit, use his word to awaken his people to the brevity of our lives, helping us to see more clearly his hatred of sin, 
which leads us to run into his everlasting arms to people, to a people who dwell, who find God as his dwelling place and get about the work he has called us to do, ever anchored in his love for us in Christ. Thanks again for listening today. I hope you're having a great day. We'll be back tomorrow with another short devotional. So stay tuned and may God bless you and make his face shine upon you. You are loved.